0: Well good morning. Back to school is in full swing. I think Noblesville's in the second semester already. I think we've been back for so long. But uh, who doesn't love the pictures of all the kids, all your neighbors, all of your children, on the front porch, you know, with the obligatory sign? Name, grade. What do you want to be when you grow up, right?? <clears throat> I love seeing those. They're just sweet. You know, you get to see and learn. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that's neat. Um, I know at our house, it's no different. You know, my wife is in charge of that. I'm like, "Ah, whatever, you know, like, okay. But I'm really secretly thankful that you have this log, this like time capsule. Every year you can kind of go back and look at all of these memories um, that are just cataloged, right? And every year I'm thinking, Man, this is going to be the year. Ethan or Henry are going to write pastor. They're going to want to be a pastor when they grow up. And uh, you can still pray for me. That hasn't happened yet, but that's okay. There's still a lot of years um, on those front porches. Actually, when I'm honest, those are going by so quickly. I can't believe my kids are in fifth grade and third grade. That is insane to me. Insane to me, but I, I, I needed to ask my son, my oldest son Ethan, his permission because I have to show you his first grade pictures. This is four years ago because I thought you might think it's interesting what he wanted to be four years ago. You see that? Can you read that? I thought it was quite interesting, and you know what? I support the trades, I support and think it is a worthy career, but Wanting to be a Mason when you're in first grade caught my attention a little bit, and I went through like racking my brain. Why would he want to be a Mason? This is crazy. And it took me a while. You know, you don't want to be an astronaut, son. You don't want to be a fireman. You don't want to be the president. Nope, I wanna be a Mason and he was set on it. And I was like, how is this possible? And it took me a long time to figure this out. But um, my kid is so smart. When I came home, like a couple days later, I realized the house across the street is being built and he has been watching it being built. And just that last week, he watched all of the guys laying the bricks and he loves Lego. And he was thinking, I want to be a professional Lego builder. What do these people do? I want to be a Mason. Okay, so there you go. I figured it out. And if Ethan is a Mason someday, I will let you know uh, for sure. I'll keep you posted on that. We love to see what kids want to be when they grow up, don't you? You want to watch what they become, It's kind of fun. It's a privilege of being an adult, an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, a parent. But when do we stop thinking about what we wanna become when we grow up? Did you ever stop thinking about that? When do we stop thinking, what do I wanna be? Is it already over? Have I already become everything that I'm supposed to be? Well, I think that's a great question to ask. And here at White River, that is a question we want to be asking and we want to be answering regularly for the rest of our lives. We're in this series called The Way. And if you don't know what the way is, the way is actually something very simple. It is the way we accomplish our mission of connecting every life to Jesus. We have a certain way that we are doing that, a certain way that we hope that we would all go about connecting lives to Jesus. And what's exciting is that this way is not only applicable to us, it's applicable to others. It's applicable to everyone. And even more than that, this way is not just information, like it's, an, it's a pathway for us, but this way is also a tool for you to use to connect lives to Jesus in the world around you. Last week, we talked about belonging. We talked about how we can find belonging in Jesus by asking other people, where do you belong? And this week, we're asking, who are you becoming? Next week, we're gonna wrap up this series and and ask, what are you building? Belong, become, and build. That is the way. It's our way of challenging you with with what Jesus has challenged us. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said, "'Come, follow me, "'and I will show you how to fish for people.'" Follow Jesus, belong, and he's gonna show us, or some translations say, make us become fishers of people. What are you gonna build? You see, at a certain point, Jesus has to show us or make us into something. We have to become something else at some point in our life. If we are following Jesus, Jesus told us, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you how to do this. I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you into something new that there has to be a process of transformation of becoming in our life if we are following Jesus. You see, it is part of the plan that we are not yet what we are going to be. Jesus tells us that. We're on this journey of becoming, and Jesus says, that's the plan. You will constantly be being made into what he wants us to be. So today, I want you to open your Bible, maybe somewhere you didn't expect to turn today. The book of Ezekiel chapter 37 the prophet of Ezekiel. We don't go there very often and maybe we should a little more um, because Ezekiel is just quite frankly, a large book. So if you go to the middle of your Bible and you flip around a little bit, you will hit Ezekiel. There's 48 chapters. So you're not going to miss it. And just a little fun fact while you're digging there, Ezekiel is the sixth longest book of all the 66 books. So it's in the top 10% of length there for you. But we're in Ezekiel 37 verse one. It says this, "'The Lord took hold of me. "'I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord "'to a valley filled with bones.'" He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Maybe you're thinking, Andrew, this is why we don't read Ezekiel. <laughs> Did we not just read these verses? Let's go somewhere else. I knew Ezekiel was weird, okay? Let's call a timeout and go somewhere else. Well, I say hang on just a second. Verse 3, he God asked me, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. So the Lord is giving Ezekiel a vision and he asks him a question. Can these bones become living again? Can they become a person again? Is that possible? If God asked me that, I'd be like, well, no. Ezekiel has a little more wisdom than I. He says, I don't know, (laughs) and that's the right answer. He doesn't know. He says, actually, only you know, Lord. Only you know what you can do with these bones. I do not know, and that is absolutely correct. Only the Lord knows what something can become. Only the Lord knows what he intends to do with those bones or these bones. And he continues, verse four, he, God, says to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath in you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you to cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So if you thought Ezekiel was a little crazy, you might be right. This is a vision again, which a vision means this isn't something that's really happening. It's something that God is showing Ezekiel. And in this vision, this is where it gets a little crazy to me, in the vision that God is showing Ezekiel, God asks Ezekiel to speak to these fake bones. It gets a little weird. Speak to these fake bones. Talk to the skeletons, Zeke. Okay, here we go. Verse seven, so I spoke this message just as he, God told me, and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. This is starting to get a little weird. This is getting a little crazy. Contrary to what you may deal with in your neighborhood in the month of October, maybe you have a neighbor or maybe it is you. You have a yard that kind of looks like this. Um, It gets a little crazy here. This feels like Halloween a little bit. And it continues, verse eight. Then as I watched the muscles and flesh formed over the bones, the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no Breath in them. And then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. Now, I think we just went up another level with the muscles and the flesh. So I think we've gone beyond Crazy Yard and Halloween to straight up insane zombie movie or something in this moment. But what Ezekiel is seeing here is that it doesn't matter what happens here. As amazing as that would be to see, it takes the Lord's breath to actually provide life. The Lord's spirit is the only thing that's going to give life. In verse 10, so I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life, stood up on their feet, a great army. Wow. What would that have looked like? This Vision is commonly referred to as the vision of the valley of dry bones for obvious reasons. God came to Ezekiel and said, I need to show you something. And then he showed him. This is amazing. But why did God show him that? Why did he show him a valley of bones assembling into skeletons and then becoming alive? What is that all about? Well, thankfully, the Lord explains why. Verse 11, he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying... We've become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh, my people. I will open your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I have said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. These bones represent the nation of Israel. These bones represent Israel because their lives have led to death and destruction and Exile, slavery into foreign nations, Babylon specifically. And this vision represents how God alone is the only one who can save them. He's the only one that can free them from slavery where they found themselves in once again. Again. And we can know this by by reading, but it's important for us to understand when we come to these passages, okay, what is really going on in the life of Israel? How do we really understand why Ezekiel is getting these messages? Well, if you were with us this summer, we went through a series called Bloodline and we walked through the genealogy of Jesus. And much of that was through the king's Of Israel, the kings of Judah. And if you remember, there were all kinds of kings who had all kinds of different hearts, but most of them were wicked. They were evil. They followed other gods. They followed all kinds of other things except for God Himself. And then there was other kings where where they kind of dabbled in that stuff and they kind of dabbled in the Lord. And they were like, Well, I can do both of these things, right? I mean, I'm still worshiping the Lord in these other things. And God has said over and over and over and over again, and here again, that leads to death. It's no good. You can't combine those things. You either worship the Lord or not. You can't combine those things. And certainly God has been trying to tell them, stop, stop worshiping other gods, put away the sin, put away this filth that Israel was dead. It had no future. And even when it seemed like there was no future at all, they lost the whole nation. The temple was destroyed. They were slaves. God says, there's still hope. Because I am the Lord. You may be thinking, well, what does this have to do with kids going back to school or Ethan laying bricks, Lego, or real? That's a fair question. But this vision raises a few questions that I think we need to ask ourselves, even though we are not Israel, because when it comes to us becoming the people that God wants us to be, We need to ask some of the same questions that we read here. And so when we read the Old Testament, just a little aside for a second, especially things about Israel, we cannot, you cannot read a passage like this and then draw a direct line and say, well, he was talking to Israel, so this must be true about the United States of America. We're a bunch of dead, lifeless bones in need of the Lord's spirit and breath to restore our nation we can hope for that, but don't do that. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's not actually what it's saying. That scripture, this one we read was written to Israel, not to us personally or the United States. And here is the difference. It's not written to us, but it was written for us That's a big difference. It's written for us to have, for us to use, for us to hear and learn how God operates with his people. That God promised restoration for Israel in this vision, that he was gonna bring them back to life from exile. But it makes me ask some questions. First, what is really the state of my life? Those first couple verses where Ezekiel got this first glimpse into this valley of bones, that was an accurate description of the life of the people of Israel and the nation. It was dead, there was no hope. It started with what was actually true an honest assessment of where they were at a bunch of dead bones. They were actually slaves. And how did that happen? God was abundantly clear. It's because they kept worshiping idols. They kept going after other things. And that is what happens when you go after anything other than the Lord. It does not lead to life. It actually robs you of the good things that God has for you. Israel and me and all of us, I think, believe or are tempted to think that God wants to keep us from things. No, I don't want you to do that. That's, that's sin. That's wrong. And we think it seems like it would be pretty good to me. I don't understand why there's a boundary there. And we think God is keeping us from good things, but God knows us. He knows what we are supposed to be. He knows what our lives are supposed to be lived out. He knows what is actually good for us. And Jeremiah, who prophesied similarly to the nation of Israel, Jeremiah 5.25, listen to this. It says, your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful blessings. Your sin has robbed you of all these good things that that's actually what sin is it's something that robs you of good things that god has for you even though sometimes we're so twisted we think well you're keeping the good things from me i want to do those things and god's like no that will keep you from the good things that i have for you no Sin, my decisions are the problem. God wants what's best for us, all of us. Every single person, and he knows because he designed us. He knows how we're supposed to live and act. And many times we are deceived and think the sinful choice is the more fun, more prosperous choice, and it is not. The good thing for us would be to become the person that, God wants us to be. And that is somebody who looks more and more like Jesus. That is what a good life looks like. That is what it would look like to be blessed, to be like him. And so when I read this vision, it makes me ask that question. Do I really have, excuse me, do I really have life? Do I? I'm crazy enough to think that even though we live in an affluent community and not all of us are affluent, but we certainly live in a place where it's easy to look around and think we have all these things going on. We have all these opportunities. We have all this wealth at our disposal. Are we really living? Who are we becoming? Where is it all leading, is it leading to life or are we just dry bones? We have to be honest about where we're at in our life. And if God tells us we need to listen and if we come to that place where we're like, man, don't know where my life is headed. I'm not really pleased with where it's going. I'm not happy with who I'm becoming. If we're honest with that, then you can look in a place like verse three and ask, well, who can help me? Who can fix this? If my life feels empty, who can make these bones become living people again? Who alone can do that? Well, God alone can do that. We know this. It's only something that God can do. He's the only one that can bring life to something that is dead. God is the only one who can bring life to the people around us in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our family. As Lance talked about last week, our role is to plant and to water. We can't make anything grow. We can't make anything become. It's only God's work, his spirit's work. But we have to know he is the only one who can help. He's the only one who can help us become who we need to be. And this happens only when we admit we need him and we need his help overcoming our shortcomings, overcoming our failures, that the Lord alone is the one who gives us life just like these bones. Makes me ask another question. Do I simply play the part or do I just look the part? You know, in the middle of this vision, The dry bones formed into a skeleton with muscles and skin and it looked like there was life there, but there wasn't. They looked like people, but they were dead. And it might look like something on the outside, but ultimately on the inside, there was no life in there. It's almost like we shouldn't believe everything that we see on the outside. I read something recently. I know this is probably shocking to you, but someone pulled together a bunch of Pew Research polls and they said that 82% of Americans faithfully read reviews before we make online purchases. And um, I would be one of those. Of course you read the reviews and they pulled together like, Tens of millions of reviews across places like Amazon and wherever else you might make online purchases. And they described that at least 11%, some people say 30%, are totally fake. They're fake reviews, they're not real. They pay people to go write reviews about certain products. Did you know this? Maybe not, I don't know. Maybe I just ruined your afternoon with that information but made you wiser nonetheless. And maybe this comes as a shock to some of you, but did you know that not everybody who says, I am a Christian, not everybody who says, I go to church, lives it out. I know that's a shock but it's true. We can sometimes look like the part on the outside, but not really play the part and have the life on the inside. We can't fake our way into becoming like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You can't earn it by trying hard, by showing up. You won't. So we should stop doing it that way. It's really a waste of time. The only way that it works is this way, asking this next question, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to actually change me? Verse 14, it is the Spirit alone, the Spirit of God who is put inside of those bones that brings it to life. The Spirit alone can bring life to you, to me, and to our neighbors around us who are seeking and searching for life and for meaning in the midst of everything that we go through. You see, this is crazy when you think about it, that God says the only way that you can have a fulfilling life is if I come in you and give you life. I've talked to some people that I know that serve Jesus overseas and they interact with people and cultures that aren't as familiar with the Christian message as we are here in our culture, places that openly worship other gods and idols, places like that around the world. And they say, when they talk with people around the world who, who have that kind of worldview and they are able to walk them through scripture and the story of the Bible, they are tracking with them. They're like, okay, so you have a God who created the world, got it. He came to earth, makes sense, made it. He died for you. That's kind of funny, but you know, maybe we need it. He rose from the dead. That's a pretty bold claim. Um, but if he did all that, I can see how he's able to do that. And then they get to the part where they talk about how this God wants to live in you. Whoa, I can't believe that. That's incredible. In many ways, what we're talking about is possibly the most scandalous thing that we could believe as Christians, that God would live inside of us. His spirit would go in us and give us life and give us meaning. Isn't that unbelievable? It is. And Ezekiel has been trying to say this. Ezekiel 36, one chapter to the left, verse 25. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. I will put you a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And not just that, I will put my spirit in you. So you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is a miracle. This is unbelievable. The God of the universe wants to give you life and not just you and me, everyone out there And he wants us to live. And he wants us to ask all the people out there, who are you becoming? Where is this life that you are living? Where is it leading? By the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus Christ, there is a way that is better. And it's the way of Jesus. When I look around the world around me, I see people that are so unsatisfied with who they are, with their life. And not just when I walk around town, but when I probably more often stroll around the internet and see and read what people are saying. Our whole culture, they want to be someone else. They want a whole new identity. What are they saying? They're saying, I know there's a longing in my heart and in my soul to become something different. And they are exactly right. God does want them to be something different. He wants you to be different. He wants to use you if the spirit of God is in you to challenge them and to ask them, do you know this way? He wants you to be something different that is full of life. He's died for you. And so when we talk about the way, it's about identifying how does the gospel meet your need as my neighbor, as my coworker, as my friend, as my family. Does your, the person maybe that you, you, you have in your mind or that you're praying for, could you, could you think like, maybe they need community, they're lonely. You could ask them, well, where do you belong? There's a place in the family of God. Maybe they're wrestling with their identity. You know what you need to ask them? Who do you wanna be? There's an answer in the gospel and the good news of Jesus meets our deepest needs in every corner. It does. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, if you have a career, if you have money, if you don't if you have a stable and loving family or not, the impulse in this life is to be something new, no matter who you are. And the answer that will give you life and all the people around us is we wanna be like Jesus. We wanna be like Jesus. We can't, fill all the longings of our hearts with careers, with relationships, with all these other things. We need him to replace our old stony hearts with hearts of flesh that are filled with the Spirit. That's how Ezekiel said it and Paul in the New Testament says it this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Once the Holy Spirit removes the veil and we understand that this is what is true all these other identities that promise certain things can come to light and he can motivate us to be more and more like Jesus. So even if you're not going back to school this fall, maybe that season has been done for decades. Who do you wanna be when you grow up and who is God asking you to ask that same question? Let me pray, God, thank you for your word that is so clear. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us, that transforms us from one degree to the next to look and live more like Jesus transform this church, White River Christian Church into being people that have life deep in our bones, that when we go from here, we have meaning and purpose and community and life because that's the way you want us to live and you want us to share it with the world.